Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Once again, on Conversations, absolutely thrilled with my guest today. You know, one of the cool things about this platform is not only the people that call us and want to come on and bring these brands, but also the people that I want to have on because I love what they're about and who they are. And this is one of these people that I was so thrilled to get a yes out of. And, and I'm going to do things a little different, Rain. You're going to have to give me a little grace here because normally I just let you do your bio and say who you are. And say, but I want to throw something a little bit more at this because I think it's really important um, that people get to know you a little bit. So Raina Nelson's here with us today. She's the president and chief executive officer of West Valley USA, Fruit USA. Sorry, I forgot the fruit part. You know, she's an interesting person. She believes in giving. Uh, her mom told her that um, to never allow anybody to stop her um, if she believed in something. And I think that's so powerful. She's ridden her bike all over the place. She rides for fun. She rides for charity. But more importantly, she shared a quote with me that I think sums her up so beautifully. And I just wanted to share this in the beginning from Eleanor Roosevelt. And I'm a huge fan of Teddy as well, some of the things that he's put up. But I love this. And I think this epitomizes you as I welcome you here today. You gain strength, courage, and confidence in every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. I have lived through this, and I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the things you think you cannot do. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Raina Nelson. Welcome. Oh, wow, Todd. Thank you so much for the incredible introduction. Um, did not expect that. But yes, you you hit two just uh, women that have been super influential in my life, my mom. Um, and then I love a good quote, but that one from, from Eleanor Roosevelt is just, uh, it hits the core because I think, you know, that's part of facing your fears is, you know, when, when somebody tells you, you can't do something, it kind of just fuels me a little bit <laughs> more to, to go ahead and get it done. Um, so absolutely. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. No, it's actually my pleasure. And, and, I, and we're going to get into all everything that, you know, that was has got going on and, and who you are this now, but before we do that, just to get everybody up to speed. And I, and, and again, I don't really like reading bios because I think it's better if it comes just from you share everybody a little bit about your background and who you are. So everybody gets up to speed before I start inundating you with these 9,000 questions I have. Sure. So who am I? Um, well, I, grew- <laughs> I love that. Who am I? Damn it. Who, who am, am I? I? I grew up in rural central Florida in the middle of orange groves. Um, my dad was a, a citrus grower, uh, as a hobby really. Um, but it was a family farm and we all contributed. So, um, we kind of joke, my brother and I have got a brother that's, uh, three years younger than, than I am. And uh, we we were dad's irrigation system before he actually had an irrigation system in the grove. But it taught us hard work, um, ethics, and really just the, uh, the the way that we could help and contribute to to growing fresh produce and seeing it, you know, introduced into the market. And it really was just total total. Uh, business, like a lens into total business. And, um, it was really, it was really cool. So, um, oddly enough though, I really had no intention of going into the produce industry. Uh, I went into university of Florida on a pre Gators. Gators. (laughs) I I had no choice, but to say that considering I've actually got so much hate mail from everybody, but Gator fans from (laughs) SEPC and the stuff we've done together. I'm, if I'm going to go in, I might as well just jump all the way off the boat and say, screw it. I'm not even a Gator fan, but I'm just doing it out of sheer principle now. Perfect. Thank you. I mean, we'll, take, a, we'll take anybody that uh, wants to join the, the Gator Nation. So, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say everybody, but um, yeah, so I, I went to University of Florida and um, with the intention of going into med school, but then I found food science. I didn't even really know it existed. And so um, I, I, went into some, some research activities and then realized, well, instead of going pre-med, uh, I could probably save people's lives by entering into the fresh produce industry, making the, the supply chain safer, um, and not go to school for 20 years. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I definitely pursued, um, uh, my master's in food microbiology and uh, focus on post-harvest physiology of fruits and vegetables, and then entered the the industry in the realm of food safety and quality systems. But then I've pretty much worked in every segment of the industry, except for maybe transportation, um, and just have had a wonderful, wonderful career. And it really stemmed back to, uh, I think it was my uh, my professor at UF, um, 
while I was getting my master's degree, I thought I was going to do, you know, go on to my PhD. And Dr. Keith Schneider was like, no, you don't need to be in academia. You don't need to be in a classroom. You need to be out in the industry. And um, boy, was he right. So I really have to give a shout out to, to Dr. Schneider and thank him for that. And um, I stopped at my master's degree, went into the industry and, and just have never looked back. I love it. I love it. It's so great when you, when you're on a path and you think you're on there and then somebody comes up and throws that little bend in the road that gets you thinking differently. And you, and you take that path mm-hmm. and look where you're I mean, look, I mean, you're, you're hanging out with me. Look at, I mean, talk about full circle. She, I've because, made it. I've made it. <laughs> you can't, this is better than winning the damn lottery. Probably, <laughs> probably not, but it sounded good to me. So, I like I, and I appreciate you sharing all that. And, uh, you know, I, this month, you know, we're so focused on talking about consumption and increasing consumption and, and um, you know, and, and even food waste in that conversation. And I'm thrilled to have you because we're going to get into that a little bit because I know it's important to you as it is to me. And I think it's a really neat conversation that I want to continue to have. And so that's one of the reasons I'm really thrilled that you're here because I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that. But before we get down the trail and we get going, keep framing stuff up a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit what is West Valley Fruit USA and and share some of its history a little bit if you'd like, or just tell us what you guys are up to. Absolutely. I would love to. Um, And I've been with Westphalia now for about eight months and every day I think I learned something new, but um, we were founded over 70 years ago with the guiding principles of environmental and social sustainability. So really uh, you know, we were, we were focusing on that before it was uh, a buzzword. So to us, it's more than a buzzword. It really is, um, what we do and what we were founded on, and it remains the same today. So we're a globally vertically integrated company market leader in growing, ripening, processing, shipping, distributing avocados across the world. Yeah. Um, we deem ourselves to be the avo experts and we're, just devoted to, to producing really quality avocados um, responsibly by being very laser focused on our communities, our bioresources, and the environment, um, and just total respect for our, our people, planet, and profit. So just absolutely committed to sustainability. And by developing a global brand strategy, mm-hmm. I mean, our value proposition is just unparalleled in my opinion. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that a little bit in that global side perspective a little bit, because you obviously, you know, you're here in the States, but you have counterparts you know, around the globe, which I want to touch on a little bit, but, you know, a lot of times you look at issues in, in the ag business, you know, maybe there's an issue in Europe that hasn't got here yet, or maybe they're ahead on packaging, or maybe we're ahead on this, whatever. So how does that change? You know, the fact that you have that global perspective, how does it change how you kind of attack issues here? I guess I'm going to throw you a couple part question or thought process. And sometimes, you know, again, we talked about some of these issues are different country to country. So how do you, you know, based here in the States with your counterparts, and please talk a little bit about where they're located too, so we kind of frame that up. But, you know, how do you globally connect the dots on supply? Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Dr. Gary Beal, CEO and co-inventor of Natural a revolutionary coating designed to extend shelf life and cut food waste. Thank you for listening to Todd Versations and Todd Bits. Food waste is a worldwide pressing topic. Here are some of the facts that you need to know. Food waste takes up more room in landfills than anything else. In the United States, we discard more food than any other country, about 80 billion pounds per year. Food waste contributes to 11% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. At Nabucco, we're revolutionizing the produce industry with our OMRI-approved NaturaWrap edible coating. Our goal is to reduce food loss, improve profitability, and elevate sustainability. We're in the business of bringing fresher produce to tables around the world. Check us out at NavicoInc.com. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And managing a global brand across numerous markets is, is no easy task. Um, Not at all. No, but but the way we are structuring ourselves um, today is in, in three regions. So North America, my land, <laughs> LATAM, um, and EMEA. And um, we are, we've got three global or three regional CEOs where we're really driving the business. 
And right. we are talking with each other and creating strategies and alignment and consistency across the regions by which there may be different strategies to accomplish um, right. things, but we're leveraging our strengths. And that to me is just so strong. And we're realizing how we can plug in pieces of our rich value proposition into markets and regions where, again, just that that thatched to deck together strength is, is no one else has that. So right. we've got numerous country of origins where we grow. Um, we have a, um, a Westphalia technical services group with researchers, post-harvest physiologists that, that really um, take a look at this, the supply chain from an R&D perspective, but then in the field, because that's where it starts. And so we are very, very strong there. And I think that's um, a, a big, big uh, piece of the advantage for Westphalia. Yeah, I would think, and you know, going back a little bit to the issues, you know, when you, when you see something like maybe you know, your somebody over in Europe says X, Y, Z. Have you had a situation that you come up? It's like, wow, I'm glad to have that those eyes there because it allows me to pivot. Yeah, yeah, w- without a doubt. So you know, I, I named the other regions and the, the the three of the three CEO regional CEOs. We talk all the time, um, and we're really starting to orientate on again how do we how do we leverage and support one another. Um, but I've been um, blessed enough to go over to our France operation, our UK operation. Um, the end of this week, I'm headed to South Africa where our cool. offices are. And so just getting a glimpse into some of the, the innovation um, from an operational level and product level that maybe we don't have in the United States, for example, uh, just really opens eyes. And it's going to allow us to be, I think, a market dominator um, in many aspects because of the just wonderful things that we've got going around the globe. And then, like I said, we can just plug in those strengths, those opportunities. And um, it's, it's, it's really just, again, unparalleled. Yeah, I think it's got to be a really cool perspective to be able to sit back and ask questions of your counterparts as to what else is going on in the world. Because like we said, like I said earlier, what may work here may not work there and vice versa. And those learnings certainly help build a stronger pillar, uh, you know, or as I call it, rung the ladder as you go up. And I think that's really imperative. One of the things that I really found interesting about what you guys are about is your values and your purpose. And you've got five that you lean into, and I'm going to read them off here really quick. Health and safety, quality, inclusivity, innovation, and integrity. Um, how important these, and, and I'm going to come from an angle of culture a little bit, because I think as a, as a global brand, creating culture is a challenge, right? It's hard, it's hard enough to create culture in a five-person company, let alone a country that's in, you know, how many, how many different, you know, how companies in how many different countries. So how important are these to creating and developing your company culture? Mission critical. Yeah. Mission critical. I would figure that was the answer. (laughs) And I'll have to tell you, Todd, it's, it's such a privilege to serve um, as a leader on this executive team, this global executive team for Westphalia, because it's the real deal. Um, Culture is the, is the foundation of what we do. Our purpose is to do good. And that applies to all facets of the business. And it's not just lip service. Uh, We really intentionally try to develop our culture based on our purpose, Mm -hmm. but then embodying our core values on the day-to-day. I think it's imperative and it really just is the guiding light to where do we focus our strategic priorities? And we consider them throughout our decision-making processes at the executive level, at management level, and throughout the regions. And it's just something that's really refreshing. Um, and again, a privilege to be a part of. So mi- mission critical. Yeah. You know, it, it's just because I know I work with a lot of young companies and we talk and, and, you know, they're trying to find that voice. They're trying to stick to those cultural values. They're trying to come up with what their purpose is in this and that. And it's really something that if you don't invest in, I, I believe on a daily basis of at least trying to understand it, a, a culture will go create itself. And then that's just really kind of a shit show, to be honest yeah. with you. It gets to be really messy fast. And so trying to manage it on a global scale has got to be hard. But I think because of the fact the three of you are so well connected, you've got to, you know, and it's based into your leadership decisions at, at the C-suite level, mm-hmm. that trickle down has got to be very impactful. I think you've got to see that 
that positivity coming out, you know, all the way down the ladder, I would assume. It, it, it really does. And, and I give major credit to our group CEO, Alk Brand, um, the way he really exudes um, our core values and our purpose and the way he, again, leads this executive team is, 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 is just very impressive. And culture is, culture is number one. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Talk a little bit about your style as a leader now. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you, you know, you look at your 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 um, trajectory of where you've been. You've always kind of been in the forefront. You've, you know, your path has always taken you, I believe, to this point, right? C- CEO was destined to be by your name. Um, so, tell me a little bit about your leadership style. And, and I, I'm going to throw a two part question because I think it's it you know kind of all flow together. A where did it come from? You know, you talked about your dad. You know, hey, care, and I'm assuming. Doing irrigation as a kid in Florida in the summer just sucked. So yeah. that's probably a lot of what, yeah, I mean, there's no other word to throw it. I'm just, I've been there, done, I get it. But also who mentored you? I mean, who was important to you? know, you talked about your instructor um, at Florida, but you know, who's mentored you? Who brought you along, you know, through your, through your trajectory to this point that's really shaped you um, to be as open-minded as you are, because a lot of times leadership can be closed-minded. This is what I believe. This is what we do. And I don't see that with you. And that's what I think I really gravitate towards you as a person is that your eyes are completely wide open. I think accepting of what comes at you and then discerning from that point. Yeah, no, I, my, so first answer, my leadership style, it's really servant leadership. Um, never really had a traditional leadership style. It's more <laughs> servant uh, based. So what can I do for other people and how can I build them up, empower them so we can collectively move the boat forward? Um, Love that. And I think it probably comes from, um, I think it comes from my, my mom, uh, largely. She's mm-hmm. always been uh, my, uh, my kind of North star. Um, but I grew up in the church, so servant leadership, uh, that the style, it's, it's, it's biblically based and mm-hmm. it was just something that I, you know, saw, uh, her, um, embody in, in, in her life, just in all facets of life. So sure. to be a leader doesn't mean a title behind your name or that you have to have a specific role or responsibility. You can mm-hmm. lead, um, a situation just in an everyday life and, she taught me something very, very important. So talking about eyes wide open, she uh, would always tell my brother and I, you can learn something from anyone, even yeah. if it's a janitor that's taking out the trash. So don't ever, you know, label someone as being unimportant or, you know, um, you know, someone that you just think you're better than. Uh, so I think that resonated with me. Um, it, I know it resonates, still resonates with me always. So I think that definitely is a, a big, a big piece of why I always, I, just, I constantly want to learn evolve. Um, and if we stop, then that's when we die. And it's just, yeah. um, <laughs> that's not a space I ever want to be in. <laughs> No, I 100% agree. And, you know, you make a really great point. And I say this all the time. Saying hello to your male person is a source of inspiration. It's a source of leadership. It's a source of caring. You know, so often in, in, in my tenure, you talk to people that just had a conversation with the CEO and they act as if that's such a big deal because it doesn't happen all the time or talked with somebody here about this or got to share an idea. And I think that we've gotten away in some ways in business. I think it's very unhealthy in a lot of ways that we don't take the time to not only personally develop our leadership style and to examine our leadership style, to your point, being a servant leader, where you've got your heart wide open and you're trying to do better for everybody, first and foremost. Um, I think it's important that we stop and pivot on that and think about that a little bit as young leaders come up. You know, again, you get stuck in that lane. That lane is, is it's just it gets more it gets narrow and narrow if you're not willing to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all yeah. just people. We really are people. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. We all, we all want the same things. We all want to be loved. We want to be hugged. We want to be told we're good. We want to do good. I, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a guy on a broadcast a while back and we were talking about social media and where it was at and what was going on. And I, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, 10% are yelling at the other 90% of the world, right. In a lot of ways. And that, that 10% really don't necessarily want that, but they don't have somebody in their life perhaps that's making things better or giving them a better option or, or giving them the understanding of what it is. And the other 90, 
they want everything that we've just talked about. They want to be, you know, hugged at night. They want to be told people love them. They want to be a better part of the community. And I think it's so important that we keep uplifting that 90 plus percent, actually. He called it 97%. I go with 90, 10, just it's easier to remember. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, I think it's really there. I know that, that you know, we touched on a little bit about mentoring a little bit. I know that this is super, super important to you. So I want to lean into that for a little bit. I, I know it's a huge opportunity. I believe in it wholeheartedly. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your neighbor. You can do it inside your business. But, you know, mentoring is a huge opportunity and it's a gift that we can actually share. In your perspective on your tenure and your career and how you, you got to where we are today, how important do you think it is today versus, say, 10 years ago or five years or whatever it might be? Oh, I think it's more important than ever. Um, and I, I've had some really wonderful mentors throughout the way, throughout my career, throughout my life. Um, mm -hmm. And if, if I can, my philosophy is if I can help someone learn from my mistakes so they can avoid them, why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? So I, I think that it's very, very important to mentor and something that, doesn't necessarily have to be a, you know, a monthly call or something structured. Um, it can be as simple as, again, connecting with people at a conference. So like we yeah. just had in Orlando and um, just having a conversation. And I think that we just need to, to capitalize on any opportunity and any moment can be a mentorship moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just, it's such an easy way to give back. I mean, it, it really is so it's so impactful to just take, it's just time, mm. right? It's, it's time. It's an open heart. It's being a friend. I think it's, I think it's just super, super, you know, important that we keep leaning into this, especially at the executive level, especially at being able to bring people alongside you, as you said, you know, there's, there's no mistake in giving time back. There's no, you can't, there's, I don't see how you can make a mistake doing. No, no, I agree. And just one more comment on that. Yeah, please. If you'll, if you'll <laughs> I'll give it you know, back. Go, girl, go. Re referencing a conversation I had with a with an industry colleague and a friend at the at the SEPC in, in Orlando, um, she probably described a space in leadership right now because uh, she's also a, a CEO and founder. But she described the space of leadership that uh, we felt she and I were in as bridge leadership, mm -hmm. meaning we have a responsibility to take ownership of connecting and building a bridge between the next generation of, of we were sp speaking specifically at Southern Roots. So we were talking about women, but the next generation of women to, you know, because we were mentored or are influenced by, um, you know, the older generation of women, which was very a small population. Now, we looked at the room of Southern Roots and we had hundreds of women in there. So she and I are in a space where we were influenced by the older generation, but we're able to touch and build up this next upcoming generation. And it's a really, it's, it's, it's a big privilege to have, but building and fostering that avenue for the future leadership is, is just really important. So I think that's uh, just, Absolutely. just notable. No, you know, some, and, and something you said that I love and I wrote it down and I'm going to, I'm stealing it from you. I just want you to know, force and foremost, is build up, mm. right? Is to build up. And that's what mentoring is all about. It's about building. It's about bringing people that don't have, you know, they don't have 25 years. They have two and a half years. And how do we uplift them? And how do we build them up to create that next generation leader? I know, you know, as your chair of SEPC, and I know how much your heart glows over this organization. So, but I'm going, but I, and I want to talk about it because it's a worthy conversation. Your industry involvement is deep, deep, deep with them. It's also in some other areas. Um, and I know that you mentor, and I know it's a big part of what you do as part of your tenure at SEPC, what you're about. Can you share a little bit about it? Talk about Star, talk about whatever you want, the things that you're into, um, because I think that these things are so important that people recognize that, you know, giving back means getting involved. Right. Mentoring means getting you can't you know, it's great to say I'm going to mentor somebody, but it requires involvement and getting involved in the industry and other things is such a great way to be in an or, you know, to be a part of something that's so much more uplifting and to build up. By the way, I just used it again. Nice. I used it twice. I like it. I'm, it's it's like mine. It. I'm taking I'm stealing it. <laughs> you got it. You can have it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, no, Southeast Produce Council, near and dear to my heart, obviously. Um, but I think it is because the, the vo volunteer leadership is at such a level because we, that it, again, it, uh, 
none, none of us get paid for the time that we, we right. give to, to SEPC, um, right. but the impact that they make in, you know, in communities and in careers and in people uh, is just, is just wonderful. So yes, I give, I give a lot of time to, to SEPC and have throughout probably the last decade. Wow. Um, but the, the opportunity came from one of their past presidents just running into me and at the lobby at one of the events. And, uh, he knew I was a university of Florida Gator and they were starting up this, this new program called stars. Um, and, you know, he, he connected the dots. I took, uh, took the opportunity and I've been working with the stars, um, program now for again, years. And it's a privilege to see how this has now become a flagship program for recruiting and retaining top, um, ag students in universities in the Southeast to join our industry. And it's mm-hmm. come full circle because now we actually have a former stars scholarship recipient on our stars committee. And it's just really, really amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic to build back. Talk a little bit about, you know, and, and because you know it's close to my heart, it's something I really love about what is we talk a little bit about what you guys have done for women and the conference and everything else. Cause I'm I, you know, it's it's a requirement, it's required that it has to be talked about when we chat. You know that. <laughs> it is, it is, and I, and I love it. So um won't ever change that. But yes, our Southern Roots program uh is is one of the best networking uh, programs for women in the industry. Yeah. And it was the vision of, of, of some board members and past presidents and then and, and David supporting, David Sherrod, president and CEO of SEPC supporting. And I remember, you know, the first Southern Roots kind of concept meeting um, or our first, uh, our first, you know, networking event. There were maybe... 30 women ish in the room. Mm-hmm. And then in Orlando, hundreds, hundreds, it was, it was sold out. And just the, the value that that has created and networking and then providing um, tools and platforms and, and speakers uh, for the women of the industry to, to support one another, build up one another uh, and become resources for one another is, is just, is, is incredible. It's awesome. And you just build up. And I love the fact that you build people up. I love it. I, this, go. <laughs> this, this is going on a t-shirt. I'm just telling you right now. Build up, t-shirt. Going on a t-shirt. I like it. Yes. Yeah, we're, we got another t-shirt we're going to print out. <laughs> I want to shift gears a little bit, go back to a little bit about West Valley Fruit, what you guys are all about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause you guys, you guys are a horse out there. You guys, you guys, you guys are taking a lot of three pointers, not doing a lot of layups in this world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you guys are incredibly committed to research and development and I'd like to talk a little bit about how that investment, you know, commitment help you um, as a company, but also to helps you with your customers, because that's a really something that people want to hear. They want to know what's coming next. Why is what's what is next that's important to me? Yeah, so we we put great emphasis on research and development, um, whether it's intellectual property, new cultivars of avocados to grow in a more sustainable manner, or the innovation of, of, of growing our, our avocados to innovative processes in our operations mm-hmm. to packaging innovation. Um, saw some incredible packaging innovation in, in France and um all tied in with, again, the sustainability uh, initiatives from an environmental and a social perspective. But I think customers are beginning, once once they start to hear what's behind these words, as far as the programs and our, um, our sustainability commitment that's based on the United, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, mm-hmm. they're, they're eyes wide open. It's like, wow, they want to know more. And I think that uh, most most of the retailers or food service operators out there have a focus on sustainability, um, but I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out figure it out. And the fact that we were founded on that and we have such a robust initiative, um, I, I think um, I think it's something that customers are just you know very much um, uh, wanting to know more and how how we're making it happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it, it and you set me up perfectly for where I want to go next because you know your your company's been around for like seventy years, so it is um, it is it is um, 
definitely got a legacy going on, right? This isn't this isn't your first week out there. And but what's really interesting is that 70 years ago, you guys laid the groundwork to be sustainably minded, which was not the norm, which was not, I don't even know if it was even a word 70 years ago, you know, let alone. So today, you know, you guys actually go out and you publish. It's available to anybody who wants to see you talk about your sustainability story, your commitment, and you're really working to reach what the UN has put out as, as sustainability development goals, which a lot of people around the globe are leaning into and working with. So I got a couple of questions about all that, and I'll just, you know, I'll just throw one at a time at you and you can go with it or they crisscross, we'll figure it out. But how is it important to you guys culturally? Because I, again, being a global brand, I think it's a really interesting perspective to look at this question. So how is it important to you guys culturally? Oh, it's not a catchphrase. It's our responsibility. Um, again, we were founded on those factors and we've developed a a very sound sustainability strategy and it prioritizes the environment, our local economies. And again, most importantly, our people, I keep saying that, but it really is true. Um, so our, our ESG environmental, social and, and governance initiatives are impressive, across all of our geographies and they're numerous, Africa, Europe, South America, the US, um, but we're focused on ensuring that these environmental commitments by region become an integral part of our day-to-day activities. Um, And we're always looking to continuously improve our environmental performance um, and operate in a responsible manner, no matter where we're at or what we're doing. Um, but we're really focused on reducing waste and reducing our carbon emissions and the work that's being done by our technical group. And then across the, the regions is, is incredibly impressive. You know, and my second question under that heading or under this topic, and I think it's become much more, um, I guess, a mainstream question at this point when it comes to sustainability, how important is is it to your customers globally? Mm-hmm. You know, because and, and I asked the question globally because, and, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but is it more important to, you know, when you talk to, you know, your, your, your CEOs and other, you know, the two other people you're working with, is it seem more important there than it is here? Or is it more important here? So how does it relate back to the customers? Yeah, I think it's, it's certainly important to customers globally, um, but learning more about how, um, you know, our customers in, in Africa or, or Europe view sustainability or some of their sustainability initiatives or programs, they, mm. they are different. They are different. So Rainforest Alliance, for example, Rainforest mm. Alliance fruit um, is, is very important to the European market, um, whereas I think we know what it is in the U.S. market. Um, and there's some retailers um, that, uh, that, that want it. And then there's some retailers that maybe just don't care about it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there are differences in markets and, and, and what they emphasize on sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that overall, it's something that's going to continue to evolve in the United States marketplace. Um, whereas some of those components that aren't yet evolved are evolved in other markets. So again, another um, leg up for us uh, from a global perspective and understanding maybe what's coming down the pipeline for sustainability. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's really great position to be in. Oh, I, I would, yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And I think that what I find really interesting is that because it's been in, you know, entrenched in your DNA for 70 years, it's a little bit there. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's like going to get a cup of coffee in the morning. It's just kind of, it is there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find interesting about where you guys are at is that a lot of companies get into greenwashing. They get into just saying what needs to be said to make everybody feel warm and fuzzy. You know, I, I've had somebody that's wanted to come on this broadcast. I was like, mm, you know, I'm trying to understand if that's really, you know, how do I feel about what it is you're trying to portray? And I think that the fact that you, you know, have lived this life for so long, you know, I, I think you guys are a model of what to look at. And, and you know, especially being on a global scale, um, I just think it's super impressive. So my third question to you, though, is more of a personal one. And, and I think and I find it probably the most important. One. How does this all feel to you personally when you look mm-hmm. at sustainability? I mean, you know, because because if you didn't come from that background or, if it, again, it was you know, wasn't as important as it is into your DNA at, at, at Westphalia Fruit. Right. You've had to probably pivot a little bit. Your eyes are probably much broader than they were maybe even walking in. So how has it changed or how importantly is to you now personally? 
Oh, it's incredibly important. And you asked me how I feel it, it, it feels like home. Um, mm. It really does. Um, so kind of little girl in the orange groves doing the thing with, the, with, with her dad, understanding people, planet, profit, and now being part of, uh, of Westphalia and how we're tackling, again, sustainable initiatives, food waste, embracing regenerative farming. Um, it really is just full circle for me. And it yeah. feels like home. I love that. That's a great answer. I want to lead into just um, talk a little bit about you know, technology for you guys, because you, again, being a global company, we touched on it earlier, what's going on in Europe isn't what's going on here. So how are you embracing that now, kind of looking at 2022? Because we've come out of this pandemic, life is changing, life is trying to go back to normal. Um, how has that changed at all? Or, you know, again, when it looks at technology for what you guys are moving forward on? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And <laughs> two for two. I know <laughs> you're knocking it out of the park, <laughs> trying to build you up. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, so I think uh, how I'd answer that is, you know, we've we've been pioneering methodologies since our existence, and that hasn't changed. I, maybe the pandemic has accelerated that, but we do have um, expert teams with, again, agriculturalists, food safety specialists, food scientists, post-harvest physiologists, researchers, etc. Um, and I think what we're we're focused now on is, is there's such a resource to our company, but how do we better integrate these expert teams to make sure that we are looking forward 20 years and really looking at markets and, and how our work today can catapult us into that next level of Westphalia fruit and what right. that looks like in the future. So um, I think um, we, we have an initiative called Westphalia United, uh, where we really are starting to come together and identify, you know, um, collaborative strategies across the regions. And this, this Westphalia technical services team um, is just something that, you know, have, has always been such an asset. So how do we continue to drive that value in that team right. and shape the future? I love it. That's a great answer. And it's just, it's impressive to hear. It really is. It's impressive to hear. We talked a little earlier about being vertically integrated, hard for me to say. And, you know, you guys come from multiple angles because you're a global company, right? So you, we, you know, we touched on that perspective. Um, and so that creates different opportunities for sure. So talk a little bit about the global um, advantage that that kind of gives you, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Uh, our multinational uh growing platform is a huge, a huge advantage for us. And yeah. so we have, um, we have multiple country of origins that can be imported into the United States. So trade agreements, but then there's also, I think areas where we may not have an existing trade agreement, but could be future areas that we could um, grow and then import into the United States. And that one of them is, is South Africa, for example, that's where mm -hmm. we have um, a huge um, operation and uh, where we were founded. And so I think opening those markets and then leveraging the, the ones that already exist, like Colombia, Peru, uh, Chile, uh, where we all grow up, we grow there in all those countries. Um, in addition, we're vertically integrated into Mexico and we have um, a, um, an executive uh, grower and, and sourcing uh, individual, Zach Bard, who is just phenomenal. I mean, he's like the avocado encyclopedia. And so he, his sites are focused on just that, making sure that our multinational growing platform is, um, is continues to be the foundation of our success from that kind that segment of the supply chain, but then also looking to the future. Where else in the world um, can we can we go in and, and really create a, another country of origin for um, a solid avocado supply? I love it. Do you, as as a CEO, when you think about what you just shared with me, I guess my question to you at this point would be: Does this now, because of the, the way that you're vertically integrated, because of the amount of information, the way you look at innovation, um, new technology, all this stuff, does it allow you? 
a higher level of confidence to go into the marketplace. And, and you know, and I don't mean it in, in, in a boastful manner, but you kind of walked in, you know, you got your shoulders back, you're walking tall, going in and say, hey, here's who we are because of who we are. Mm-hmm. So do you, feel you're, do you feel like you have a higher level of confidence because of this overall commitment that you guys are all about? Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Dr. Gary Beal, CEO and co-inventor of NaturaWrap a revolutionary coating designed to extend shelf life and cut food waste. Thank you for listening to Todd Versations and Todd Bits. Food waste is a worldwide pressing topic. Here are some of the facts that you need to know. Food waste takes up more room in landfills than anything else. In the United States, we discard more food than any other country, about 80 billion pounds per year. Food waste contributes to 11% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. At Navico, we're revolutionizing the produce industry with our OMRI-approved NaturaWrap edible coating. Our goal is to reduce food loss, improve profitability, and elevate sustainability. We're in the business of bringing fresher produce to tables around the world. Check us out at NavicoInc.com. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have to believe in what I do um, yeah. and I fully believe in, in Westphalia fruit and our, um, our strategies, um, but also our heritage and those things combined, our past and our future uh, is really making the present somewhere very awesome to be. I love that. Great answer. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Want to switch gears and get into the topic that, you know, is near and dear to both of us. Let's talk a little bit about consumption, which is what, you know, the whole month of April is about on our broadcast and what we're trying to promote and get people thinking, especially coming into springtime. And, you know, there's, there's more stuff coming and, and we're, you know, we're getting, we're into, we're into making positive changes. And so, you know, food waste is, is, is a huge issue and it spans every aspect, um, you know, of, of all kinds of different foods, you know, um, and consumption and produce, not, I mean, not, we're not exempt from it in the produce business in any way. And in fact, in some ways, it's, it's almost amazing when you look at some of the stats when it comes to food waste. One of the ones I saw that, that it, it contribute food waste is like every person in America throwing away 650 small apples a year, hmm. right? That's food waste. So that puts it into perspective of what, what it really means. So share with me a little bit about this statement that I'm going to read to you and just see how it makes you feel. And I want to get into the conversation around that. But Increasing consumption of fruit and vegetables is a great way to help the food waste issue as well as improve our overall health. How does that statement make you feel? And please ramble, girl, ramble, because I want to talk about it. (laughs) That that statement makes me feel great. Um, I, I think that the more fruits and vegetables we can get America to consume, the world to consume, the healthier we're going to be. So- I think the, and then talking specifically about avocados, our trifecta um, message is sustainability, health, and then taste and quality. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's, it's just, you can't go wrong. Um, but how do we, how do we increase that consumption? It, it really is telling more about our story, um, educating consumers as well as customers about the supply chain, what are the realities of it? I would mm-hmm. venture to say, oh, you know, over it's probably a very high number. Let's not throw a percentage out, but people have no idea where their food comes from or how it gets to the, the retail shelves. They don't. And, uh, yeah, they don't. And and I think um just um, having a unified and amplified voice as an industry is is something we need to continue to to work on and strive for because together we're better and we need to we need to to raise that watermark of consumption because it is food i've i firmly believe food is medicine mm-hmm. um and uh i think that's some you know it's i'm very passionate about that too yeah i i 100 agree with you and thank you for sharing that from your heart like that because it, it's really true and you know, I look at this this issue of food waste and say, what if we can get consumption up by 10%? What does that do to healthcare, health, yeah. food waste, dollars? Uh, you know, you take a look at, at some of the statistics around inner city, you know, inner cities talk about being a food desert. Fruit and vegetable consumption in the inner city is not the same as it is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Why? 
Why aren't we leaning out? You know, and I look at the industry and it's called action in my opinion. The industry is like, why aren't we investing into increasing the next generation of customers that don't even know we exist? And to your point earlier, you know, consumers don't necessarily know. And I don't want to throw everybody under the bus and say, but, you know, look, I, I've been around a long time. There's a lot of people think that broccoli grows in the back room of a grocery store, mm-hmm. right? It's the truth. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, and the reason I'm so apt about this conversation with consumption with you, because I don't think anybody has done consumption or the conversation around consumption is like the, the avocado folks have done. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a look back 30 years ago and what avocados were, they are not, you know, they weren't what they are today. And that that happened because of people like yourselves and companies like Westphalia Fruit and others that have leaned into, let's keep talking this conversation. Let's show people why this is so good. Let's get this conversation rolling. So I'm very appreciative of the conversation. And I, and I agree. I think it's something that we have to build up. Woo, got it again. I think yeah. it's something that we got that we have to really lean into it. And I'm I'm thrilled when I look at a company like yours to talk about these big words and put them into action. And consumption is definitely one of them. Yeah, I know you're right. And you hit on you hit on the research um, and, and the health factor. And um, I, I, I recently joined the, the Haas Avocado Board's um, Avocado Sustainability Advisory Committee and really starting to take a deep dive into the research that they have done over the course of the past few years to show that avocados are healthy. They're a healthy fat. Um, and they're, they're certainly, um, you know, something that we should have on our plates all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there's other great, amazing associations, uh, the, the international fruit, um, fresh produce association. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my call to action to any of the listeners out there is, is get involved, um, especially if you're if you're a, if you're in the industry. Um, get involved. See how you can help amplify and unify this initiative to increase fruits and vegetables on on Americans' plates. Because absolutely, we all need to be working towards. Yeah, you know, it's, again, it's about building up. It, and, and I always, it, you know, it sounds so silly to say it's low hanging fruit. Increasing mm-hmm. consumption is not hard. It does not necessarily require a million dollar marketing budget. It requires getting into the fray and talking with your partners on all aspects about yeah. what does that mean? How do we do it? Is it a sign package? Is it trying to help that one consumer that thinks broccoli grows in the back room to realize what this is and why it is? And I think that it, it's retail consumers want retailers to do all the heavy lifting. And that's dangerous because it takes us out of the equation of better understanding our food supply. And I think there's, you know, I, I'm not going to understand how to do brain surgery, but I think it's, you know, I just, it's not going to happen, but I do want to understand my food supply because that is something I control every day and those choices. And I think it's important that we keep elevating this conversation. So thank you for sharing that. A hundred percent. And you hit the nail on the head. You know, I think customers, uh, we as grower shippers, just generically speaking, mm-hmm. need to be providing some of those those resources to our customers or get involved and, and leverage some of their initiatives, but we need to have that collaboration and we yeah. need, to, we need to, to, to make an impact that way. Absolutely. So let's think about consumption. Cinco de Mayo, here it comes. I mean, you're in the Cinco de Mayo business. You got here in the Super Bowl and Cinco de Mayo business. Those are so the two me, holidays. Those, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's it, it, without a doubt. Which one do you think, I mean, which one do you think's bigger? I mean, do you think Super Bowl, you know, is it a, is Super Bowl a bigger party than Cinco de Mayo? I know 4th of July is a good one, but, you know, is it Super Bowl you think is, is a Super Bowl the Super Bowl of avocados or Cinco right up there? Um, I think, uh, I think they're pretty neck and neck. Yeah, um, yeah I really do. Uh, but I think that um, we've got a, a really good market that's going to be supporting some high avocado consumption this this Cinco de Mayo. So all of the avocado options, um, inclusive of, of, you know, your, your guacamole with your uh, with your fiesta. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I think it's, you know, it, it's it's it is. A, it's first of all, it's a fantastic holiday. Right. It's a, it's a ton of fun. If, if people haven't, if you've never experienced Secret of Mile full force, if you've never gone hard at it and really gone for the experience, it's a wonderful holiday to celebrate. It really is a ton of fun. It's it really is. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's a ton of fun. What, you know, I want to shift gears a little bit is, is and, and have a little fun, play around a little bit. We're going to see if I can get a laugh out of you, you know, see what we can do here. But something that, that I ask people that I find to be a really impactful question is who inspires you? 
Because you're like, you're a super inspirational person. I love being around you. I love listening to you, right? Um, I gravitate towards people like you because, you know, you build me up, right? You make me think. You made me, you change how my vision is. So who inspires you out there today, if you could pick somebody? Oh, goodness. Um, There's so many people that uh, that inspire me. Well, don't get in trouble. You could just go generic. Don't, don't, don't say, don't say one and forget another. I'm not not taking that pressure on. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. No, I would say, um, I have a, I have a very, uh, close circle of friends, um, some amazing women and men, um, that do some really inspirational things. Um, and I'm thinking of, of just one friend right now who, who just, pours herself out into the community. And when she sees anyone in need, she acts, she acts mm. to, try to, 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 to support that no matter how busy she is, she's got uh, three, three kids and she owns her own business. But uh, I think she must have an extra six hours in the day that I don't have because I don't know how, how she gives back all the time, but um, she's just a very influential and inspirational person in my life. We met in college and she has just, she's probably got the the sweetest heart and soul of, of anyone on this planet. And I often look to her when, um, you know, I'm kind of down or in a rut and she, she pulls me out and we lean on each other, but she just is so selfless um, that it is just incredibly inspirational. That's cool. I yeah. love that. And, and, you know, it's funny you say something and it made me pause for a minute. You talked about somebody that that's got, you know, six extra hours over anybody else. But I think when you give and you build up and you go back and you mentor and you find it, it's just the hours seem to appear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think when you, yeah, when you come from the heart and you do things and, and you try to make a difference in other people's lives, it's as if time some way stands still and allows itself. I like that. You know? yeah. yeah, that's that's powerful. All right, you want to have a little fun with me? I'm going to put you in the hot seat. You want to play a little TLC trivia? You're playing for cash and prizes right now. Excellent. <laughs> you're playing for big, big cash and prizes. I, I can't tell you because I don't want to. It, it's you're literally playing can't, for nothing. Can't disclose it's, it. Got it. <laughs> no, you can't disclose it. You're really playing for pride. To be really honest with you. <laughs> so here we go. Alive or dead? Who would you like to hang out with and have dinner? Oh my. Um... I would say my great grandmother. That's a cool answer. How come? I mean, what? What? Just to chill? Just she to was, kind of- I. She passed away uh, before I was able, really able to to have a conversation with her. But I remember as a little girl sitting on her porch, and she would quilt. And I remember she was a, she was a pillar of the community because when she passed, there was a big article written in her about her in the newspaper. Um, but I just remember her being such a, such a galvanizer of, of mm-hmm. community and uh, her front porch was like the place to be. And uh, on Sundays she would cook this amazing big meal and have guests over and everybody raved around about um, Aunt Angie's cooking. But uh, she is, she's, I think where some of my fierceness comes from. <laughs> um, yeah. so I would love to have a conversation uh, with her uh, around a dinner table. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Anybody, you know, I, I think we have to fear quilters. I think they have hidden ninja skills. I think they just, they just sit there in their own mind. And then, you know, if it crosses that line, I, I just don't think they're the calm quilter anymore. No, it'd be no. Death, death by needle. Uh, death, by, death, by, <laughs> death by needle. Poke. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what's your favorite, what's your favorite junk food? Come on. I know you're a bicyclist. Now you're on the bike and you ride hard. I know you're, you know, you work out. I get it. But what's your junk food? Is it a glass of wine? Is it a little Hershey bar? I mean, what is it? You could, and if you, you know, I, I won't, I won't really, I'm going to release this. So whatever you say, you're screwed. Go ahead and answer. I know, I know. Like, this is, um, honestly, I would have to say uh, dark chocolate. Yeah, it's a hard one to get away from. Dark chocolate. And but it's good for you. It, it is. It's got great antioxidants. Um, and yeah. then maybe pair it with a glass of red wine. And yeah, know, that's one of my all time favorites. Red wine, red wine and chocolate is amazing. Yeah. 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 Amazing. God had a good day. He's like, you know, red wine and chocolate will go good. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good day. He, he, he definitely built up on that deck. Yeah. Yeah. He agreed. definitely built up. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this one? Now I'm going to really embarrass you. What was your nickname growing up? Oh, um, mine, mine was, Hey, you, Hey, you, <laughs> um, it's, uh, oh. if, like, if I, if I could say probably my, my parents would call me, um, rainy, 
yeah. rainy. So that's easy. Yeah. There's, there's, really no, there's, a, no, there's no dirt to dig up there. No, but I, I will, I will um, divulge my brother's nickname. <laughs> well, please tell me your brother's nickname. He was precious pup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he is gonna be so pissed. He's gonna but, be so mad. But oh yeah, he is. He is precious, but and I'm just gonna tell you right now, we're gonna blow that up on social media. Perfect. He's gonna. Yeah. He's gonna love I, me. I, and yeah. I, I, I hope everybody in all 40 countries that listen to this broadcast all lean into precious pop. I hope that they do. Big so sister strikes again. <laughs> as you should. So hey, you're just building them up. That's all you're doing. You're just loving on them and building them up. No big deal to that. So here's a crazy one for you. How a, a snail can sleep for how many years? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to get the prize here. No. <laughs> Two. Three years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that either. It's all about the weather. So Ooh. there you go. A little snail trivia kind of wrap us up. Hey, I love it. I love See, to you learn, learn something. something new every day. See, I'm building you up. That's what <laughs> I'm doing. You. You know, that will come in handy, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. Well, it might diffuse. It might diffuse your brother. <laughs> so I learned something. Yeah. You know, as I said early on, um, you know, when we started our conversation. You know, that I admire you. I've 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 come to follow your career and to get to know you a little bit, and and to and and you know, you're a very impressive person. Um, you you come from a place that. Um, you know, your heart exudes out of you when you speak and, and, and who you are as a person, I think is exactly how you lead and how you wake up every morning. And I think you're the same person at, you know, nine in the morning as you are at 6 p.m. Uh, I don't think you waver from that. And that's really an accomplishment because um, not everybody's like that. So I, I give you um, kudos to that. And I, and I appreciate you uh, succumbing to my request to come on here, you know, my basic begging, whatever I had to do. Uh, because it was important to me to have you here because I wanted people to get to know you a little bit because, you know, and, and to share where your heart's at. And, and not only you as a person, but what was Folly Fruit USA is doing in the business and all that. I mean, that's an important part of it, but really it's about you. So I have one final question I want to throw at you for our time. You know, you've done something that truthfully, not a lot of women have done in the produce business. You're a CEO, right? And there's not a ton of us out there. And um you know, and we're celebrating those achievements, but we can't look away in some ways as, as how slow and coming the process for uplifting, uh, uplifting women in the food business has been. Um, I, and I can say that because I've been standing in, you know, I've been standing in this runway for a very, very long time. I didn't have gray hair at one point. Um, so in the spirit of mentoring and what we've talked about and building up, right, because I just love that, you know, to build up. If you could give a young girl or a young person out there today who's thinking about her future, her career, um, perhaps a path um, that she wants to walk or she's thinking of choosing to walk, what would it be? What would that advice be? Hmm. Surround yourself with like-minded women or men that are going to challenge you, support you, and find somebody that's going to hold you accountable, I think, um, because um, there you can get lots of advice, um, lots of people that, you know, want to to share X, Y, Z. But I think it's it's very important to understand one's leadership style, leadership focus and learn from, from those people, not just one person. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, having a multifaceted approach, um, but making sure that, you know, you are, you're always open to learning. You're always facing that fear face to face, and you have a great support group to, to help you through, you know, the hurdles that are going to occur down that path. Um, but that's what I would, that's what I would say to, to someone. Don't ever, don't stop. Don't ever let anybody tell you no and surround yourself with like-minded people that are going to help you get there and build you up. <laughs> I love it. That's so powerful. And I'm going to, I'm going to end with this, how I started. You gain strength, courage, and confidence in every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. I have lived through this and I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the things you think you cannot do. Mm -hmm. Everybody, Raina Nelson, thank you for being here with me today. It's an honor to have you.
Thank you, Todd. It's been, um, I'm humbled uh, and really just have had a blast talking to you. And thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast to have this this epic chat. (laughs) It's exactly. Thank you. And as we say, we're dropping the Sharpie on this one. And I love it. You know, thanks everybody for being here with us. I hope that this inspired you as it did me. She's, you know, Raina's an inspirational person. There's no two ways about it. What she's doing, what she's about, it's about build up, right? It's about building up. It's about, you know, lean into that. As I say, go inspire somebody today. It's really important. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate your emails, your text messages. Um, Check us out on social media. Like I always say, it's where the cool kids are. That's where they tell us we hang out. And uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you on Todd Bits, Todd Versations. Tell your friends, love us up, whatever it takes. Come share your story. It's what it's about. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Raina, thank you again. Love to you. Thanks for chilling with me. And come back, please. Thank you, Todd. I will. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Be good. We'll see you soon.